Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts, set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. In this past week, you have probably heard quite a number of times, you've probably said quite a number of times, I heard it this morning, Happy New Year. Right? I mean, that seems to be on everybody's lips right now. But did you ever stop to really think about what it is you're saying? Happy? What does that mean? What does that mean for you, happy? Now just hold that thought for a second. New. What is new about January 1st that's different from December 31st, besides the fact that the last number that you write on your checks has changed? What's new? It's a new year, right? But what's new? Has your life changed dramatically from last year to this year? In one day? I mean, we say things like, 2012 was really bad. I hope 2013 is better. Did you ever say things like that? Or think things like that? Or this is going to be a great year. Last year was a great year and we're moving forward. We're building momentum. This is going to be a great year. Really? One day has made a difference. Now, I'm not saying it's not a bad sentiment. Don't misunderstand me. But it's amazing how much we put into that happy new year. And I don't know how many of you read the Sunday comics. And in particular, last Sunday's, three of the comic strips, not one, three of them, the resolution that was arrived at by everyone in those comic strips was I'm not going to make any New Year's resolution. Because even that notion of because it's a new year, I'm going to make a new year resolution for this year. My life's going to be different. It's going to be changed. It's going to be better because I make this new year resolution. So how's it going so far? We're in it less than a week. You doing all right with your resolution if you made one? If you, if you didn't make one, are you doing okay with your no resolution so far? We make such a big deal out of that. And what you'll discover in just a few weeks, maybe months, is the phenomena right now about the stores being empty and the gyms being full will reverse. People will start going back to the stores because they'll have money again, and people stop going to the gyms because they're saying, enough of that. Right? I mean, that's oftentimes the resolution. Something's got to change because I want to be happy. You know, I said this several weeks ago when we got to Advent 1 as we celebrate it in our church calendar year. In many ways, Advent 1, the four Sundays of Advent, the first Sunday is the new year of the church calendar year. And here's the reason why. There is a sense of we're choosing a resolution. The resolution is we're going to prepare ourselves as if to celebrate the first coming of Christ. We're going to remember it. We're going to celebrate 
his birthday. But we're also focused on his second coming. And so our resolve within ourselves is to say, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to live a certain way. I'm going to recommit my life, my heart to the Lord. And I'm going to be different because not only do I want to celebrate Christmas in a great way, I want to be ready for that second coming, right? It's a similar idea. But there's something different about a new year that propels us to say, I've got to change. Something's got to change. I want my life to be different in some way. Or if it has momentum, you want that momentum to continue. Now, moving forward in the church calendar year. Today, we celebrate Epiphany, January 6th. And for the Orthodox Church which is much of the world, by the way, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, they are celebrating Christmas today. See, we celebrated on the 25th of December. They celebrate it today. And it's because of this phenomena of the wise men arriving and discovering the Christ child. And the wise men come from the east and isn't it the eastern orthodox church and so this sense of Christ is not only now come into the world as the Messiah for the Jews but rather he's come into the world for all people and if you look at the readings that we had today and if you look at other readings throughout scripture this promised messiah isn't just for the jews he's going to come out of the jewish people out of the stock of israel out of david but he is meant to be for the world and the wise men at the birth of jesus at the time when he's still a baby represents the world and that's why it's such a significant time that this light has come into the world. These wise men, these magi, these kings who have come from the east. Now, to be honest with you, we don't know exactly how many there were. If you listen to the first song, the first Noel, it refers to three kings, right? And if you look at the, the last hymn we're going to sing today, We Three Kings of Orient are, it assumes three because there's three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we don't know that there were only three wise men or kings. I mean, it could be that Jesus got duplicate gifts, you know? Or it could be that there were really only two because, you know, one brought the gold and the other one figured, I better give two because the gold's like really expensive, so the frankincense and the myrrh. We don't know. But they represent something. The gold represents his kingship. And the frankincense represents worship. And the myrrh represents that he would suffer. And if you look at the prophecy in Isaiah that we read this morning from Isaiah 60, there's this sense, because gold and frankincense are in that, that he is priestly. That worship is about him. And that he is a king. But if you look earlier in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 42, 49, over and over again, you see this suffering servant. So all three are woven into this birth of the Messiah. These wise men come from the east. And by the way, coming from the east meant that most likely because of who they were and how they were, 
meant that they were probably either from Babylon or Persia. And you have to remember who went east in the dispersion. One of the characters we run into is Daniel, the book of Daniel. And Daniel, of course, was in the court of the king. He was considered, if you will, a wise man. And he studied the scriptures. And probably some of the people of that time picked up on scripture and other ancient writings and the stars and put it together. And then all of a sudden they see the star rising. They say, we know something's different, so we're going. And that's why Jesus, having come into the world, now reaches out to the nations because these wise men, have now come to the, the Christ child to discover this Messiah. And it's interesting because one of the first prophecies that has been interpreted about this particular incident is found in Numbers, the first five books. Numbers. What you have in Numbers is, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. So in other words, this is someone that they see is coming. He's not near yet. In other words, this is a prophecy of someone coming down the road. And at this point, over a thousand years when this is written, a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Over a thousand years before. And then you have in Isaiah over 700 years before, these prophecies about this coming Messiah and what he's going to be like and how he's going to be not just for Israel but begin in Israel because he comes from Israel to reveal to the nations. This word epiphany means manifestation or revealing, a revelation that comes and we signify it by the light has come into the world. You have the Song of Simeon, one of my favorite scriptures from the early time of Jesus in the early part of the Gospels. When Jesus arrives at the temple, and this old man praying at the temple by the name of Simeon says, Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, who you have prepared for all the world to see. A light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. That summarizes it. That summarizes epiphany and what it is we're talking about today. Now, the way this sermon came together was in part out of the context of epiphany. But part of it has also come together because I have been reading since 1978 a daily devotional called Encounter with God. It's put out by Scripture Union. Wonderful daily Bible study guy. And this year on January 1st, they began with the book of Genesis. And as my mind got wrapped around this first devotion, there's three words that jumped out at me. And the words were darkness, chaos, and emptiness. And as I thought about Genesis chapter 1, that what you see first and foremost is darkness covered the land. And then God said, the first thing God created, let there be light. 
And then as he began to organize what this void was out there, we're told that he gave the upper firmament and the lower firmament and began to form the land. The firmaments that, by the way, broke loose when the flood happened. The story of Noah. But God was arranging and ordering out of the chaos a place where life would live. And then, in the emptiness, in the space, he filled it with life, with plants and fish and birds and animals and human beings. And then you come to the New Testament. And you come to John's Gospel. And you begin with the same three words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then immediately the Scripture goes to, the light has come into the world. Okay, so there's this notion of the darkness, God creates light, first thing, that Jesus has come into the world, there's light. And then by His life, by His life, He models what an ordered life would look like. A holy life. See, we're sometimes in our culture repelled by the word holy. We think it's too high-flying. When we talk about worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness, when our lives have order to them, when there's order to creation, when we look out and we see creation order, the ocean, the mountains, the beauty of what's out there, we say, how wonderful, because there's order to it. It's not chaos. So Jesus, in his life, lived this holy life that had order to it. And then we call Jesus Christ Emmanuel, God with us, filling the emptiness of our lives, bringing us his love that we then share with each other. And so the emptiness of our lives is filled with his grace, his love poured out. That's the design. Now all that by way of introduction... We're going to talk about each one of those. I first want to talk about the darkness. I did a sermon series, for those of you that weren't here in the fall, on the I Am Statements of Jesus. In the I Am Statements of Jesus, I talked about Jesus actually saying, I am the light of the world. In other words, in the midst of the darkness in our lives, brought about, by the way, by sin in our lives. Where we tend to go away from the Lord. Where we hide from the light. Where darkness creeps in on us. That Jesus came to be the light of the world. To bring salvation. To model what a life is meant to look like. Living in the light. Living with the light. And then he goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How can you know the way without some kind of clarity, without some kind of light, without some kind of revelation that comes through God's Word? Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, and God's Word, the Scriptures. How can you know the truth about how to live, the truth about how God is, unless God reveals it to you by the Holy Spirit that comes through His Word? The life. Because that's his goal. And so we see that this darkness that exists, that God dealt with physically in creation by the light, then we come to the New Testament, and God deals with it through Jesus Christ. The light breaking into the world, the light breaking into our lives. That the darkness cannot put it out. That's what we say. And it's represented on Epiphany 
by the star. That the wise men, the ones from a pagan world, because the Gentile world, the pagan world, the Greek world, no matter what term you want to see used in Scripture, it has to do with those who did not know God and did not go know His revelation, have now come to experience His revelation. Come to experience Jesus Christ. And what it is to live and have life. So the light has come into the world. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And then when this light breaks in, order begins to come. That our lives went in the darkness and we can't see and we don't know where to go and we don't know how to live. It has chaos to it. The light breaks in and now we have order. You know, it's interesting when, when we hear the word cosmos, the word cosmos oftentimes people think of as creation. What they fail to realize is the word cosmos also means order, created order. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. He wants to give our lives order, His holiness, His way to live so that we understand the implications of the commandments, the implications of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. That we have this order that comes into our lives, and we learn what it means to live God's way, a holy way. God wants to bring order to our lives. And that's why when Jesus came into the world, what was the announcement? The Prince of Peace. When you don't have peace, there's chaos in your life, right? So Jesus comes to bring his rule as the king, as the prince. To bring his holiness into that, into that world of chaos. And that's why we see the first thing God do is begin to order his creation. Set it up. Set it in place so that there's beauty to it. And that's what he wants to do with our lives too is bring that holiness, that order, and so that there's beauty to it. So that we can touch other lives. So that we can share His love effectively with other people. That's His desire. You know, it's interesting. What a contrast. The other king in this story, King Herod. What did Herod do with his life? Chaos. I mean, just continue to read in Matthew chapter 2. What he, he brings chaos and death and destruction. The order that he brought was the order of the world, which is, yes, I want to build. And yes, I want success and wealth. But I'm willing to do it at the expense of other people in chaos. I don't, I don't know how many of you, when you were younger, remember. Some of you might be, like, beyond this, you know, in age. Some of you might be younger, too young to remember it. And some of you may not have watched it on TV. How many remember Get Smart? Remember Get Smart? Do you remember the name of the organization that Maxwell Smart and Agent 99 tried to confront? What was it called? Chaos. Interesting. Chaos representing the evil. Not that Max and uh, Agent 99 were all that ordered. But they confronted the chaos, the evil, the destruction that comes with living in darkness, which comes with pursuing the ways of the world. So Jesus came to address the chaos and bring order. The emptiness. You know, once again, God 
fill the earth with life. And God wants to bring life to our lives. And oftentimes there's an emptiness there. And sometimes we don't recognize what it is or why it's there. But that's why Jesus came to bring God's presence. Isn't it interesting that when we see Adam and Eve created and the emptiness is being filled that we're told that God walked in the garden with them. And when you come to Jesus bringing the good news for the world, God with us, Emmanuel, to bring God's presence, what did he do with his disciples? He walked with them. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. That he wants to fill our lives with his presence. That what it means to be a disciple is to be with him. To walk with him constantly. To fill the emptiness, the void in our hearts and lives. And how many people are empty? And the emptiness that comes with depression. The loneliness. Loneliness is one of the causes of depression. And depression is still considered in epidemic um, epidemic proportions in the United States. Why? In part, because people don't really seek the Lord's presence constantly to walk with Him. That people are adrift when it comes to real relationships with each other. And they're adrift in terms of building community and fellowship. We're not connected. Even though we have communication abilities that are beyond anything that's ever happened in the past. We have transportation that we can get from one place to another much easier than any time in the past. Most of the time. I mean, the airports, you know, is a problem. But the reality is, with 7 billion people in the world, the United States being one of the most wealthy and successful, we have so many lonely and depressed people. Why? I had two friends, two friends say to me this past week that they were in the hospital visiting someone who was dying. One of them was the father of this one man. And he said, we always had family and friends around we always had a sense of, you know, we want to be there for Dad. He's 95 years old and he was virtually dying. And they wanted to be there with and for each other. And the nurses said to him, something's different. Something's different. Because look around you. Most of the rooms had no one. You walk into the retirement communities and some of the care centers there and some of the people have no one visit for months. We're so busy. There's so much chaos in our lives. We're pursuing the world's way to fill the void. To make our lives meaningful when that's what God wants to do. 
wants to fill the emptiness. And I think sometimes we just miss it. There's one verse, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. Where is he that has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Notice in that verse alone, his kingship, the gold. We have seen his star, the light. We want to come to worship him. The incense, the frankincense. The summary of what it is that Jesus came to bring to our lives. Light in the darkness, his presence. God with us, the light. Revealing who God is, revealing how life is meant to be. The king who comes to order out of chaos. worship where we find that filling of our souls and the filling of our lives. See, that's really what Epiphany is all about. You know, what's interesting is um, this past week I had a visit with members of our church. Actually, it was last week. And uh, it's Walter and Margaret Greer. I know some of you know the Greers. And while I was visiting with them, we ended up talking about a few things. Walter, for years, has facilitated movie night, and he kind of gives overviews and talks about movies, he and another guy. And uh, he said, have you ever heard of the movie, have you ever watched the movie The Queen? Have any of you ever heard of this movie? I had not heard of this movie. And it's won awards. But it's a, it's a wonderful movie. I mean, when I first heard it, and he said, you've got to watch it, I thought, Thanks. And I watched it and I loved it. Because the queen is Queen Elizabeth. And it's in that year, it's contained in just a few months, when Princess Di was killed in that accident because of the paparazzi and all that. And the perspective from Tony Blair and Queen Elizabeth, I mean, it was just a wonderful, wonderful study of what was going on. But what it depicted is this woman who is so wealthy, has such prestige, that is so far beyond most of us. And she has power. She's lonely. You know the old phrase, it's lonely at the top? She's lonely. And that comes out when she finally lets down, she's by herself. later in the conversation with the Greers and I don't even know how this came up we were talking about wisdom and I said something I typically say when the topic of wisdom comes up I say wisdom really is knowing God knowing his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, applying the truths of his word to our lives. That's wisdom. And Margaret immediately grabs a piece of paper and a pen and she says, can you repeat that? 
And my first response was, well, let me try. Because it never comes out exactly the same. And at her age, she still wants to grow in wisdom. That blessed me so much. Because learning more about the Lord and learning His ways and learning what it means to walk with Him, we never arrive. Never. But He calls us into that relationship so He can continue to bless us and grow us and cause us to be wise in His ways. Isn't that what's said about Jesus, the child in the temple? He grew in wisdom and stature. See, that's what God wants for us, that we would so know Him, that we would so know His Word, that we would grow in this wisdom that would bless our lives. In contrast to that, from the comics today. I don't know how many of you read Andy Cap. I read Andy Cap because it was my dad's favorite comic. And Flo is pointing to Andy at, at the end of the comic and, and points to him and says, an incompetent seeking wisdom from the incapable. That's what many of us do in the world. Instead of seeking the wisdom from above that comes by the Holy Spirit and God's Word. If you didn't get it at Advent, if you didn't get it at Christmas, today's a day that you can begin to understand who Jesus is and the purpose of His coming. What it means to walk with the Lord. What it means to have that darkness in our lives lifted and the chaos in our lives ordered and know His peace that passes understanding and the emptiness of our lives filled because that's what He wants for us. And once we come to know that, then we become instruments to the world around us offering His grace and His love and His compassion for people who are desperate to have those empty spaces in their lives filled. Because that's what we're called to. To walk in His light and walk in His love and walk in His grace and share it with other people. If you haven't made your resolution yet, make it Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, there are so many in the world around us that walk in darkness. The darkness of sin. The darkness of not knowing you and your Son, Jesus Christ. Our world, in our world, we are surrounded by chaos and the struggle that comes with chaos when you invite us to know your peace. And Lord, there are people around us that are lonely and empty. And yet you call us to walk with you and to know the fellowship of your love. Lord, I pray this day if there are some here who do not know, have not had that epiphany in their lives. 
Lord, that now they would come to the light. And Lord, for those of us that call you Savior and Lord, that walk with you, that we might have more light shine into our hearts, that we might live for you, that we might be your light for others. Lord, cause us to be resolute by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would be so filled to overflowing. And that we would overflow unto others who are so desperate. As we begin this new year, cause us as individuals to walk anew with you. Cause us as a church to be renewed by your presence, by your grace, by a commitment to walk as your disciples for the sake of one another, for the sake of your kingdom, and for the sake of the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name.